there's nothing wrong with this, but we keep our head down and we work hard and we just stay on the straight and narrow and kind of, you know, don't take too many chances and stay in our little triangle of church school. And, you know, we got to step out of that, you know, instead of mm-hmm. playing golf, go play disc golf or instead, or instead of... Uh, Chris just fell in love with you when you said that. <laughs> I'll take you sometime. Welcome to Drop the Disc. This week, we talked to a man who is on the ground floor of some of the largest commercial real estate projects in Augusta, Georgia. I got a call uh, at like eight o'clock in the morning and they said, it's yours. And I said, okay, what do you want me to do with it now? Thing do, you, up, do you know uh, what they took it back for? Is that something you can tell us? Yeah. They, Just they, curious. It was about $3 million. Davis Beeman, the director of commercial real estate and the vice president of Blanchard and Calhoun Real Estate, joins us at Augusta Podcast Studio to talk about his rich background in Augusta's commercial real estate market. You might be surprised at some of the very well-known people and buildings he's worked with. The owner of the property had to move two vehicles out. And in the process, Ray bought a Jeep from him to get it out of the way. <laughs> so he, he's got three buildings of this guy's that he's leasing. His Jeep's at home. He's got pallets of uh, pellets sitting in his uh, garage and driveway. And his wife says, you got to get this Jeep gone. So he calls him back up and I buy it from him. <laughs> um, Agent for life. Thank you for joining us. And please enjoy the show. This week's episode is presented by uh, our presenting sponsor, Powell and & Associates, and more specifically, our great friend, Nancy Powell. Yes, she has not only sold us our homes, but she is selling homes all around the city, and she's also a broker. Anybody that is interested in real estate, and, and everybody is interested in real estate, it's a part of your life. If you're buying a house, if you're selling a house... Even if you're just interested in investment properties, Nancy is a great resource, uh, extremely intelligent person, and and we love working with her. Right. If you're interested in contacting her, you can find her at Downtown Augusta Broker. And that's on Instagram. And that's her handle for You can Instagram. DM her. Yes, you can DM oh her. Or you can go to her email. It's nancypowell1977 at gmail.com. She will respond to you very quickly presenting sponsor of this show incredible woman thank you nancy powell hey guys i'm chris hey guys i'm david and we are drop the disc podcast we are here with a very special guest uh we are in his house that's right we are (laughs) sitting here in augusta podcast studio uh with an incredible man named davis beeman that's right uh and davis we are sitting uh downtown augusta right now in at 699 Broad Street, specifically in a building currently known as the AU Building, but I'm, we go back through the times. Maybe people remember it as the Wells Fargo Building, or or the Wachovia Building, or yeah, yeah, <laughs> pre 2008. Yeah, <laughs> the world was different. Yeah, you can definitely uh, you can classify folks from where uh, how old they are based on what they right. call what they call this building. I mean, was this Wachovia? Was there anything before Wachovia? What, oh, yeah. what was this building before Wachovia? Yeah, so it was the Georgia Railroad Bank building. There was another building here that was torn down, and uh, then they built this building in 1967. And ironically, 
uh, just a little family history. Uh, my great-grandfather worked for the Georgia Railroad Bank. And my dad, who had just gotten out of uh, Augusta College, was working at the bank. And um, he enjoyed it but wanted to try something different. And so uh, my uh, great-grandfather said, well, you can go down and talk to Mr. Blanchard or you can continue working in the banking business. And uh, <laughs> he went downstairs, talked to Mr. Blanchard, and has been with them for 42 years. So wow. It was Georgia Railroad Bank, and okay. Blanchard and Calhoun was in it from the uh, inception of the new building uh, built in 1967. Blanchard Calhoun is 100 years old as of last year and uh, was in another building prior to that in downtown Augusta. But um, So this building, um, Mr. Blanchard would call it Georgia Railroad Bank building. Okay. My dad's generation might call it that or the uh, First Union Bank building or just the bank building <laughs> or 699 Broad or Wachovia. And some people still come up to the door looking for the ATM machine for Wells Fargo. So, um, it's been a number of things, but um, we couldn't be happier to have Augusta College or Augusta University right. uh, on the side of the building. And I really wanted Augusta University name to be on the side of the building and not just the, um, the logo, but um, they felt like the logo would be better suited because it was so visible, mm -hmm. they were afraid that somebody might see Augusta University on the side of the building and think it was a medical facility. True. People think that so, when I call yeah. this the AU especially, building. Especially with it being downtown. Right. So before we get into that too much, and before we get into you, tell us real quick, you have, by the way, an encyclopedia brain apparently about, about the goings-on of this building. Why do you have that information? What is it that you do? So in the real estate business, you have to know a lot of a lot of things, a lot of people. And you work uh, for Blanchard and Calhoun. That's great. Okay. I work for Blanchard and Calhoun. I've been with them uh, ten years uh, in the real estate business for fifteen. I was with a company, Nichols Land and Investment Company, for uh, five years, and um, I got into real estate um, somewhat by happenstance. Uh, I was in the medical field before that. We can go into that if you want, but uh, oh yeah, that's a whole different. Oh, we story. totally will. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's kind of interesting how life turns and and where you think it might go and where it will go. But you know, uh, I've you know through coming on with Blanchard Calhoun, I've created some great relationships right. um, that they've had previously. I've tried to build onto those and made some other relationships. And a lot of things have intertwined um, around this building. Um, it's it's not just prominence of size, but it's prominent in terms of how Augusta is how Augusta has grown in the last mm. sixty years. And and so, what is your official title with Blanchard and Calhoun? What is it that you do for them? Yeah, so I'm the director of commercial real estate for Blanchard and Calhoun. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and um, and that means like. In the CSRA, like any commercial real estate with Blanchard and Calhoun, is your fingerprint on that building? Well, yeah, I mean we have other agents uh, within okay. uh, within our company, um, and, and and we have a team of folks that work on either the property management side or the commercial brokerage side. Right, mm -hmm. and um, we all kind of work together. We're all kind of cross trained to do several things, but you do have your property management department and your brokerage department. So. Okay, so when you were young. Did you know from the start, and and we need to get into when you were young, uh, did you know from the start you were going to be a real estate tycoon? Like, did you love that uh, computer game when it came out? No, actually, <laughs> uh, I played a lot of sports, dreamed okay. about that, and um, I guess when you have two doors slamming, you have to figure something else out, and that's kind of what happened. Okay. So, so you said sports. Are you from Augusta? 
I am. I, um, uh, born and raised here. I think I'm fifth generation uh, wow. here in Augusta. Wow. Uh, which I'm proud of. Yeah. And um, so born and raised, uh, lived for five years in Atlanta. I went to Georgia Tech. Um, okay. But growing up, um, pretty much through public schools, went to Richmond Academy, played football and baseball there. And uh, that kept me out of trouble. Both <laughs> right. I didn't have time to get in trouble, but there if you I go. did... Yeah. Uh, if I did, then I got out of it because uh, I had to be at practice. Because <laughs> you're an athlete. Right. You can't much, be suspended. That's pretty much. Uh, <laughs> and there's some funny stories I can share. But um, anyway, so I went from there, went to Georgia Tech. Uh, okay. I actually went up there as a preferred walk-on, uh, played a little bit of baseball. Okay. What um, position? I was a pitcher Okay. Uh, okay. At, at Georgia Tech. They wouldn't let you do anything else but pitch. And um, so you were either a ball player or you threw the pill, as they said. So, uh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so met some great folks up there that have built uh, some relationships that ended up playing out in the real estate uh, you know, profession. But um, I really wanted to be a doctor and was pre-med at the time. Um, biology major? The biology okay. major, yeah. The funny story from uh, Richmond Academy is – I kind of realized I enjoyed uh, anatomy and biology and things like that because they gave me a pig and you had to dissect the pig. You remember doing that? Oh, I yeah. wish when I was at ARC they were still doing pigs. <laughs> I, we, we I think cats. they went away from that. Cats now. Well, we did a pig and we did a cat, and that's where the funny okay. story becomes. Um, I did them so fast. I, I dissected the pig. It was like a four-week process, and I did it in like three days, named it all, did this and whatever, and you know, I'm just kind of OCD about certain things. And right. so um, so uh, my, my teacher said, hey, why don't you start on the cat? That's the next thing. So what I did is I dissected it, named it all, did what she wanted me to do, and then I was bored, so I slid it behind the ears and and <laughs> peeled the mat, the face off of the cat, and it was perfect. And she thought, that looks really amazing. And she's like, you'll be a surgeon one day. And... Um, uh, then it goes downhill because I, I, I took the cat and I was going to throw it away or something. I walked out in the hallway and these two girls saw it and they ran to the office screaming and um, got in a little bit of trouble for that. Uh, <laughs> and then the football coach came up and said, hey, you got to get to practice. So uh, I got out of it uh, on that accord. But So that's um, kind of how I got the sort of the, the thought pattern of I can go to college, study pre-med and okay. come home and go to... So did you go to medical school after Georgia not. Tech? Okay. I did not. Went all the way through Georgia Tech pre-med and okay. then moved home. Difficult, by the way. I assume yeah. it was, what, what mm -hmm. year did you graduate? I graduated spring of 04. Not an easy school, not an easy time to go to Georgia Tech. No, it was not. It, you know, as we, Georgia Tech grads, we talk about getting out. We don't talk about graduating. It's it literally the smart people, the intelligent people make it through their classes. Right. The smart people figure out which ones to take, when to take it, <laughs> and when to drop it. Um, I was kind of the smart person, so I got through it by picking and choosing my professors okay. uh, wisely. But um, it's, it's a very tough school, and baseball helped the first year kind of get me into there without just sabotaging my um, my college and, and then just kind of built on from there. But was um, was a great experience. Uh, worked at uh, Great Eagle Memorial. Um, volunteered there. Saw more things than you would ever think of, mm -hmm. and um, so kind of built from there. Wow. So okay. So we we're, we did pre med. We and now we're at real estate. What what right. happened in between? What, there? Where's the gap? What, what bridges? Yeah. There? So um, 
I'm working at the hospital. So when I came home from Georgia Tech, uh, right. I got a job at the CVS pharmacy. And were Just, you intending to go to medical school at yes. this point? Okay. Yeah, but I knew, and I had good grades, had good scores, all that sort of stuff. But I didn't have any experience. And, um, you know, to get me in uh, medical school, I needed some experience. Well, unfortunately, when you go to a four-year degree school and study pre-med, you don't come out of there with a nursing license. So right. you literally have, you have, you're not qualified to do anything. So um, I went to a uh, gentleman, Frank Knapp, of the CVS Pharmacy, got a job there. I then met Suzette Adams and got a job at the hospital. And, and I just I worked both jobs uh, five, six days a week. And I just kept thinking, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else. And um, my dad, uh, who I told you about, was in real estate, and so was uh, one of my grandfathers. And so I just uh, started asking my dad and my grandfather about their experiences, and I thought, you know, that'd be fun. So um, at the hospital, they have a library there, and I'd go down there and take the real estate test just during my lunch. And uh, the real estate class online and it was real easy that way. And so I knocked it out in a couple months. I thought, well, you know, I'll talk to somebody about it. And I talked to the folks um, over at uh, Nichols Land and did uh, worked with them for two days a week, dropped my CVS job, kept my insurance through the, the hospital job. Smart, smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you yeah. go. So, uh, so I did that. And they told me um, I started with a gentleman named Ralph Kitchens at Nichols Land, a great guy, taught me a lot. And um, he also is a pharmacist. And so he worked two jobs um, just to keep his pharmacy license. And he said, do not quit your job, you know, just ease into the commercial. So that's what I did. I did that for about um, 11 months. And um, fortunately, I had a couple transactions go right. And that uh, gave me the uh, comfort level personally to go in full time. And, you know, it was just um, just a couple doors closed uh, that opened another one. Coming up next, we explore Davis Beeman's path from being a new agent in commercial real estate to working in some of the largest projects in the city of Augusta. You are listening to the Drop the Disc podcast. So, so Chris, longtime listeners to Drop the Disc will know that I kind of dip my hands entrepreneurially into a lot of different segments of business in Augusta. Absolutely. Um, and, and one thing that I have learned and that I think a lot of people that run businesses, especially local businesses, learn is that it's really hard to know who to trust to like do your marketing and your advertising with because, you know, people have all these great ideas that sound really good, but then like, is it actually in the community? Like people, do people actually look at it? Like, do people care about your production? Right. And are they hashtag loving Augusta? Right. Absolutely. And, and so I'm just really proud that we have the little guide to Augusta as a partner. They are all of those things. Um, they, the, you know, from our perspective, they obviously put us in the book. We right. are super happy about that. And, and by the way, they also made us look really good in the book. They sent a photographer out here and made it super easy. Yeah, and it, it literally, they set up a time. Uh, everything was done via email with changes and edits and whatnot. It's a very simple process. Um, look no further, little guide to Augusta. Thank you, Chris. And we're back with Davis Beeman. So what, what year did you go full-time? Uh, it was 06. Great year to get into real estate. It was it was perfect year to get in. Uh, I closed a couple transactions, and then I started looking for, okay, you know, where's the next listing will come from, mm, much right, less closing. Yeah, right. Uh, so it was tough. So so back back then in, in 2006, um, you weren't with Blanchard and Calhoun yet. Right. 
what what kind of buildings were you working with? What kind of developments were you seeing? Because obviously you were seeing people's ideas, bef- you know, months and years before they even happened. So what kind of stuff were people doing that, you know, maybe got paused in 2008 and, and is just, I'm, I mean, obviously like the development in Columbia County is a good example of that, that started early. They paused it for a couple of years and came back and now it's this huge thing. Yeah. So obviously retail was doing very well. Right. Uh, the housing industry got hit in nine, uh, late eight, oh nine, ten. Um, one of the first couple of things I worked on, um, and might not even still be in the business if it hadn't happened, um, was another industrial deal, uh, ironically, a building down at the corner of Marvin Griffin Road and um, and Doug Menard Parkway uh, near the airport. And so the uh, development director at the time called me and said, hey, I got somebody in town wants to look at the building. So we ran down there and uh, I showed it to him and um, walked outside and he was trying to get me to go ahead and get my car and go. And the Jacobson guy, who is a company that leases like 30 million square feet a year, he walks over and says, what will you take? And I said, well, I don't know. It's not my building, but here's kind of our pitch platform. And he goes, all right, well, will you do a three-year lease? Da, da, da. And the director was trying to get him to sort of slow down so we could negotiate. And we had a lease worked out within a week and uh, on a 100,000-square-foot wow. building. And uh, that one taught me a lot because um, a couple weeks later, we met back down there again to turn the space over and do some logistical stuff. And I asked him, you know, what was the deal here? Why why are you in such a hurry? And he said, I needed a building and I needed it close to the airport. And I said, why? He said, because that day I looked at six of our facilities. So he flew in shut the airplane down, ran over to the building. It took him two minutes to get to, and then ran back to the airport, jumped on a plane, flew to the next one, and did that, you know, four, five, six times a day. And that was just as simple as it was. And so that taught me a lot about the logistics. Location, 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 right? Exactly. Okay. So when you're... That's that's really interesting. Like, is there like any kind of property that you were specializing in, or that like really interested you? Because obviously, like you you probably went through some hard times when the whole real estate economy collapsed for a couple of years, and there there's got to have been some element that like you know I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. Uh, what what was that for you? Yeah, so I learned kind of quickly that in Augusta, in secondary markets, in, right. let me back up. If you're in Atlanta, you do industrial leasing or industrial sales. You do retail leasing or retail sales. You do land. So it's not commercial. It's very specific niche categories. Very specific asset classes. Okay. That's correct. Uh, if you work with investors, you work with investors. If you lease, you lease. If you sell, you sell. In Augusta, uh, I learned very quickly that, you know, there's there's not as much uh, buyers and assets in our market as there might be in a major market where you can specialize. So to to make it and have a career, you really have to know all asset classes. What we're driven, what I like to do is take an investor's approach and look at something and say, okay, I have money, I have a need, um, and in the need may be I'm an end user and I want to buy an industrial building or an office building. Or it may be just that, hey, I'm looking to take money out of the market and place it into the real estate market. And so, you know, Davis find me uh, something that's uh, a good investment. Mm-hmm. And then the learning curve starts, you know, right. what is a good investment? Right. That's what it means to you, what it means to you, or um, can be totally different things. Right. Okay. 
David, you are rocking this interview. I'm just loving it right Real now. Real estate you, is interesting. It you, is. We could ask it about is. this for hours. Yeah. But well, I I mean, okay, so at what point? So we have downtown Augusta. We right. have downstairs our businesses, upstairs people live in them. Are you able to do whatever you want with your property? And then what about the buildings that are just sitting there where nothing is happening? I guess that's the big big elephant in the room for all of people that live in Augusta. Yeah. So there's there's this huge dichotomy, you know, to to what we're doing here downtown. There are buildings that just uh, have sort of innate character to them. And by that, it creates some value to them and people just can't live without them. And then they jump into it and they figure out, okay, now I got to pay for it. I've got debt service. I've got to just keep certain codes up. I got to replace the facade of it so that they don't at least come at me because it's going to be empty for a while. So, you know, there's this just, it's actually a really interesting time because we had a lot of buildings trade for higher values. And in a lot of cases, um, there, there haven't been other buildings being built. So the rates on, across all asset classes have come up a little bit, uh, especially in the office market where some new buildings have been built, but those are quasi. Um, so now you're starting to have some rental integrity, but it's still not enough to go in and rehab a project that really has a financial stack to it that you need state and federal tax credits and things like that to put it all together. And you have to find an end user. Those are tough things to put together. So okay. let me let me translate that a little bit because that was a very intelligent couple of sentences. And I know a little bit about real estate and Chris just bought a house, so he knows a little bit about real estate. But, yes. but what I'm hearing from you is a lot of people own a lot of properties and they're having trouble making money with some of their properties. And so with those properties, especially downtown, as it seems they're doing the bare minimum that they can do mm-hmm. to avoid fines, to avoid taxes and that kind of stuff. Let me take this a step further because now we're talking about what you do now. Uh, and and what I want to ask you is, you know, from a development perspective, like commercial is all development, it, it, you know, whether it's the AU building and, and, you know, a huge, a huge renter wants to come in and lease a floor and you need to come build that floor to their specifications or whether it's a new business, a new bar, a new you know, brewery coming in. Right. How can Augusta make your job easier to increase the value of properties downtown? I talked um, to a, a tech group um, about a year ago. Okay. And I used the phrase, um, you know, we are a low cost provider society, right? And we like it, whether it's from the restaurant business, you know, people will drive to Atlanta and spend $50 uh, for a steak. But in Augusta, Georgia, if you charge over 30 they're not going to see it you. It better be the best steak in it, your life. Right. <laughs> it better be, you know, written up in Gardens and Guns or something right. like that. So low-cost provider society, from right. a rental housing standpoint to restaurants to whatever it might be. And that's a local culture, you're saying? It's a local culture. Okay. And so with that, we've had a very stable economy, you know, uh, we've had stable wages. We've had stable businesses. We have different industry drivers here in the market, and it's all been good. But because we don't like to pay for parking, we can't build parking decks. Because we don't like to uh, invest into our river and things like that, we don't have as many creative ideas being put and brought to fruition on the river. And and it's not that some people haven't tried. Right. But you can only prop something up so long and it has to ergonomically start to really, 
gravitate. You know, things cost money, and people have got to be willing to pay for it. So, you know, for example, residential downtown, you know, it, it, to get, go buy land, which we worked with the Ivies. They bought the property over on 11th Street, Mill House. Yep. All right. We spent a year and a half doing site selection. Uh, once we find the site, we contract for the site, then we got to convince a bank, and they do, convince a bank that, you know, the, the work that I had helped them to underwrite and that others did and contractors were involved, it actually makes sense on paper. And then they go find comp sets for it, and they start looking around in downtown Augusta saying, nobody wants to pay that down here. And so, yes, we're all saying it'll work, but nobody's paying for it. So there's this this void that you got to f- somehow convince them that if you build it, they will come, and then know on the back end that the current renters, the current owners of those properties, will be able to rent for higher amounts, which will allow them to reinvest in their property. Right. And so where does that process start? It, it, it right. starts with somebody who will take a enterprise mill down or will take other properties and start to give it life, start creating uh, comp stacks to give structure to a financing arm. Everything in commercial, you got to pay for it somehow. Either you're self-funding it or you're borrowing the money. And to go convince anybody to give their money to you, it's got to make sense reasonably on paper. In Augusta, Georgia, where everybody knows everybody, it needs to make extremely good sense. And so I think people are reluctant to take some challenges that way. You know, they've, they've lived here, they've been here, they know too much about the disgusta. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they go and travel to San Antonio, to Greenville, to all these other places, they see the high spots, they don't see the low spots. And it's crazy because those same people will fly to, let's say, San Antonio, and they'll spend $100 on that same steak and they won't complain about it. But they don't get the Gouda mac and cheese that they can get at <laughs> Frog Hollow Tavern. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, they, um, they'll drive to, uh, it's another, there's another school in Georgia. We won't mention the name. It's mm. not Georgia Tech. <laughs> oh, okay. They'll drive to Athens, Georgia. It's somewhere in the middle. You throw a dart. And in Athens, Georgia, they'll pay uh, for parking. Right. True. And then come back to Augusta and get mad when they have to pay for it out front of something or whatever but um it it's it it, do as i say not as i do you know you gotta put um infrastructure together and then somebody's got to pay for it so your city can't afford to yeah you know put money into something that you're not going to support right Right. I, i i okay so i would counter that a little bit and just say and this is just for our listeners at home if there was paid parking, by the way, Chris is a true optimist. I'm not sure what he's about to say, but I know it's going to be optimistic. Well, what I'm, I'm saying is, it. what I'm saying is, you know, Augusta as a whole can complain all they want because they've never had to pay for this and that and that. But once you set that standard, once you change that, no one's going to complain in you know five months that they're having to pay for parking. It's, it's just it's something that they're can. Con- complain about you know i'm just using parking as an example there's other things out there that they can complain about but i mean if they have to up the rental kayak you know price down at the locks whatever if they're gonna they're gonna moan about it for you know 10 10 weeks you know a month or two and then it's just gonna become the norm so so let me let me turn this into a question okay I, i like where you're going with this chris um historically people in augusta have really liked the solid 
you know, not a ton of growth kind of economy where you can be very consistent and count on stuff. Are you seeing, especially in the new generation of people investing in property, are you seeing a different mindset out of those people? I mean, you look at Rectech and, and Dirty Girl, who just bought this huge, uh, and, and they're expanding uh, this huge complex in, in Columbia County, and it looks like people are trying to build up local businesses. Uh, so are you seeing a generational shift there? You are, and and I can speak a little bit more um, about, you know, Rectech. Um, when they came or started in Augusta, um, their first warehouse they rented uh, from a client of mine, and I did the lease. And, and I have to be honest with you, and I know Ray Carnes, and he's a phenomenal salesman, a uh, great guy, speaks for himself. I mean, he's done extremely well. But um, I'm kind of looking and thinking, there's no way somebody's paying this kind of price. Remember, low-cost provider? Right, society? right. There's nobody that's going to pay this kind of money for uh, this kind of grill. And um, so he rented a warehouse from us over on Benchmark Drive um, just off of Bobby Jones. Okay. And yeah. um, I thought, you know, we'll see where this goes. But, but <laughs> I'm going to do this lease because it has a commission attached to see it. See if this guy <laughs> sells <laughs> any of these things. And the owner is going to sign off. So... Uh, a couple months later, he calls me up and he says, I need some more space. So I called the owner. He owns five buildings in there. And um, we worked it out where he took a little bit of warehouse space on another one. Two months later, he calls him back and he needs a full build, another building. And so um, the owner of the property had to move two vehicles out. And in the process, Ray bought a Jeep from him to get it out of the way. So all, <laughs> Not just any Jeep. Not just any Jeep. Um, <laughs> a Jeep that I now own because I told him I would love to own it. And so he, he's got three buildings of this guy's that he's leasing. His Jeep's at home. He's got pallets of uh, pellets sitting in his uh, garage and driveway. And his wife says, you got to get this Jeep gone. So he calls me back up and I buy it from him. Um, Agent for life. I mean, he, the guy sells Rectex, he sells Jeeps. He, I mean, he's just, he's convincing. Um, but, you know, I'm sitting there on the front end thinking, there's just no way for Augusta, Georgia. And I mean, look what he's created now. Right. It's and, a national brand. And I watched him grow ergonomically. And mm. I, I mean, I watched it from the beginning. And uh, where, he, I mean, he might have been sleeping in the warehouse because he was just working all day, driving forklift. And, and, and I think a lot of people in Augusta do the same thing. There, there are a lot of small business owners. They have great ideas, and they have a tough time convincing somebody to invest in it. You know, to get something off the ground takes a lot of capital. And, um, you know, going to a bank and telling them you have a great idea to sell a, a brick tech grill for $1,800 or whatever that original cost was, you know, you got to be a pretty good salesman to do that. And um, so I, I think there are a lot of businesses that are starting to come out that are techie, that are using their resources a little bit more wisely to really sell the product, to get people to understand what it is and why it can help them. Uh, and, and I think that's why Augusta is becoming a little bit more tech-minded. Right. And, and have you been involved in, I mean, so, you know, we, we talked to uh, Grace Belanger and Eric Parker from the Clubhouse a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and something that always comes up is the cyber, you know, the, the cyber headquarters. And what does growth look like on this city level when you're bringing in, you know, a cyber headquarters and you're bringing this kind of stuff in? Is real estate going to be changing in the future in, in Augusta? Absolutely. So you're attracting end users. And once okay. you have end users, you have bodies that will go into a space. They need space. 
And so their companies have to decide where do they want to be and why and what are they willing to pay for that. Um, there are companies out there that are willing to pay thirty three fifty a foot where we've never had anything, anything. Which, by the way, what's what's like an average downtown per foot price for a commercial? Yeah, before the cyber was built, um, you know, the riverfront building was when in the twenty three, twenty four dollar foot. Wow! Range. So you're talking, you're talking and like a thirty three percent increase. That's, like, that, that's incredible. That's where Fort Dis- Fort Discovery used to be. Is that the riverfront building you're talking about? Fort Discovery is right across the street here okay. in, in the Port Royal um, extension, if you will. Gotcha. And the riverfront building is on the other side of the Marriott. Okay, um, so gotcha. That's the river. Okay, 10-story building up there. So that was the highest price per square foot in wow. town for the most part and, and what most would consider to be Class A. Um, and then we had our building here at 699 Broad and 933 Broad, and, and there are others that we're involved with that were playing in the 18 to 20, 21 dollar a foot mark. Which is, by the way, still above median, I think, for the city. Like that's that's nice. For property. the time. For the time. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. For the time, you know, it was you know, you're trying to attract uh, folks in a building and you're at the top of the market and you're trying to convince them also to come downtown. Mm-hmm. And so you have challenges both rate wise and logistics. And you only have a small pool of folks that, that maybe want to be downtown in the 90s and early 2000s. So bringing, building the cyber center has opened up the market immensely for us. The biggest is that you have a comp set that shows that people are willing to pay $33 a foot. If you build it, there are companies out there that want to be downtown. They want to be in an area where they can hire quickly. And they want to be in a good product. I think that's uh, one thing that when the 60s, when this building was built, people appreciated very fine things, very nice things. And then you went through uh, two or three tough times in the 80s and 2000s, dot com. And right. also, it's like 20 years of budget cuts, kind that's of. That's correct. And so they just got real kind of conscience, and it was more about the customer, you know, and getting to them than bringing them into an elaborate setting. But then you get into company morale and, and exposure of the company to other uh, companies or their customers and bringing them in and showing them, hey, we know what we're doing here. And so uh, folks are starting to appreciate nicer space. Um, but even still, with the COVID, we now have uh, some changes over the last three or four months where mm-hmm. some folks are going to take more space because of social distancing and some people are going to take less space because they can work from home. Mm, And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, In my mind, it's going to be one of three ways. One, they're either going to lay people off. Two, they're going to take more space. Or three, they're going to cut their space and have more people work from home. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the office sector. In the retail sector, it's already presented its challenges. It's called durable goods. If you have durable goods, people are coming if not, they're buying it online. So I kind of want to do a little little segment of fun facts. Do y'all are y'all in the Lamar building? I mean, are y'all y'all ha, are y'all that's your commercial, right? Yeah. So we I sold that to uh, a representative of the company that took it back through a foreclosure, of the bank, and sold it to an investor that owns it now. And he's got some ideas. Can you tell us any ideas that they might have for that building and or even a, a time frame? Because I know that right now it's kind of sitting empty mm-hmm. and there's a lot of renovation that needs to be done. But I and, know that there's a lot of people at home 
I would love to know what the Lamar building could be. And when you talk about that, give us a little context too of like based on what it used to be as well for the right. for the immigrants to Augusta. <laughs> yeah, so you'll like this. Uh, when I listed it back in 2014, um, and, and I had been talking with the bank that was taking it back, and they were interviewing three or four other brokerage companies. I was actually in Ponte Vedra on family vacation, and I got a call uh, at like eight o'clock in the morning, and they said it's yours. And I said, "Okay, what do you want me to do with it?" You now? Said, "Okay, vacation <laughs> extended." Well, <laughs> actually, they said at ten o'clock it's going on the courthouse steps, and assuming we're the only bidder, we get it back, and you're now our listing agent. I mean, it literally happened that way. Wow! So they went to the courthouse steps, they took it back, and um, I had somebody go rekey and just just shut the thing do you, up. Do you know uh, what they took it back for? Is that something you can tell us? Yeah, they just they, curious. It was about three million dollars. I, I honestly don't remember exactly, but it was about three million dollars. Debatably a bargain. Yeah, they, yeah. they <laughs> uh, you know, if you talk to a lot of people, 100,000 square feet, three million dollars, uh, it's a no brainer, right? Right. But, but again, it goes you back have to, to look rates. at the, yeah, it's an investment strategy. And, um, you know, so, so I worked with a bank, we sold it to an individual, um, that is very resourceful and has the ability to do something with it. But, and, and I'm guessing shall not be named. I, I won't say his name. That's he's, fair. Okay. He's pretty uh, low-key guy. I'll let him come on your show or, or call in or something. But um, oh, what, was, what I was going to say is when I listed it, I got I put a sign up, and I started getting tons of calls. And I was like, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to sell this thing fast. <laughs> well, all the calls were about their experiences of being in the building. And... Um, one of them, uh, I believe it was Sam Nicholson's father or maybe grandfather, used to run a radio show in the building. And, uh, That's super cool. There was a, a, on the 14th or 15th floor, there was a radio uh, studio like this right here. And um, as a child, he said he can remember going to visit his grandfather's studio. I hope I'm having that correct. I know there was a studio up there, but so would, everything's cyclical. So there was a right. there was a radio station in Lamar, and we've got a podcast station in the AU building. That's right. So we're here. <laughs> the difference is we don't have a thirteenth floor here. It does have a thirteenth, and that's, really, that's why. And, and that's we why have it's haunted. As we have AC, and that's, that's why, why it's haunted. That's right. You have AC yeah. <laughs> and, and beer. Uh, there you go. <laughs> it probably does have two some things beer. they probably did not have. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but yeah, it's it's got a thirteenth floor. If you look at our elevator. You don't see a 13th floor. Right, I've right. noticed that. I yes. like that, by the way. I'm hugely against the number 13. And ironically, <laughs> it burned uh, in 1916, uh, I think it was, when it was being built. And then it's gone through four, two floor closures. So, um, and that's the Lamar building. That's the Lamar building. Okay. So, I don't know if it's cursed. I don't believe in superstition, <laughs> but uh, it certainly has its uh, character to it. So um, could you give us like three truths and two lies of what it could be, (laughs) some ideas that you have. And so we'll just let our listeners (laughs) listeners to figure out which one is the the possibility. Is realistic. (laughs) Yep. So it could be uh, hospitality. Okay. Uh, There's some challenges there. It could be office. That's what it used to be predominantly. Uh, And it could be residential. There's some challenges there. Um, Personally, I would love to see it mixed use, a little retail on the first floor, coffee Mm -hmm. shop, that kind of thing, and a high-end restaurant. Um, And then office and maybe some residential upstairs. I think residential would do phenomenally well. But, um, you know, the gentleman that owns it, he's extremely resourceful and intelligent. 
And, you know, he's of the mindset that let's, let's wait and see what presents itself. He is working on a deal, but it involves um, federal and state tax credits. Okay. And I don't know if you saw in the newspaper, but there are a lot of varying opinions on renewing state tax credits right now. Mm. And I believe, yeah. I'm not an expert on it, but federal tax credits are actually gone for 2020 already. So there are caps within the state. Uh, there are certain parameters that you have to meet and um, there are challenges and so um, historic Augusta has actually spoken on it um, a pretty good bit here lately and if they don't continue those uh, state tax credits and federal tax credits then downtown is going to struggle yeah for back sure to, back to your original question about these buildings what do you do with them um, what you provide them to an end user who can pay uh, what you have in the building you know so Whatever it takes you to get into a building, that's what you need for somebody to rent it, to, to get a return on investment. Right, right. And um, right now that's a challenge uh, for what some folks will pay for it. You've got some companies that come downtown and spend a ton of money, restaurants, and they're doing very, very well. And then you've got others, it would seem just, you know, commonplace to move in and renovate, uh, but it's expensive. Stay tuned. When we come back, we ask Davis to get creative and give us a prognosis of the future of development in Augusta. So there's this place called the Clubhouse, David. Uh, and uh, this this place is a shared space, co-working space, downtown right. Augusta off Reynolds Street, specifically in the Georgia Cyber Center, which is pretty right. cool. It's a brand new spanking building. You go in, third floor, and you've got 3D printers lined up. You've got huge open space to go to. You've got conference rooms. You have space to throw events or even right. conferences that you want with your business. It is the perfect place to go if you want to start up a new business. And not to mention that they also host networking sessions, whether it's uh, whether it's people that are business owners or maybe it's just people that want to be more involved in cyber and in the community. Like They'll have people there. They do seminars. They teach people how to do different elements like it's really cool, and and you can get that kind of pass for as low as fifty dollars a month, which is a pretty great way to be involved in downtown Augusta. Absolutely, and yes, the cyber building is brand new, but the clubhouse has actually been around for seven plus years. Right. In fact, we I think did, it's coming on eight. Yeah, we did an episode with Grace Belangia and Eric Parker, and the, and you can find that episode on any platform, and you will find and hear what they're all about, their backstory, and really encompasses exactly what we're doing here. And if you listen to disc. that episode, if you listen to that episode, you'll understand what we mean when we say they're painting the streets of Augusta gold. Absolutely. They have brought si Silicon Valley to Augusta, Georgia. It's awesome. The clubhouse. And now back to our conversation with Davis Beeman. Right. So you clearly are a person that is very business minded and and you know you you have this way of thinking that is very I, I can't even describe it but it, it's very straightforward I would say the way you've been speaking about all of these properties it's like we're going to do this then we're logically going to do this then we're logically going to do this and that's how it works I want to take you out of that for a second. I want to put you in. My um, wife is going to start smiling when she hears this. Right. My, my kids say, you know, Dad, you talk monotone, <laughs> like like get loud or something. So uh, we'll I, I want to take you to a creative state of mind right now. So let's say instead of X investor, let's say it's you that's investing in downtown Augusta. And let's say you have the opportunity 
to have an amount of money that is disgustingly uh, high and you can do whatever you want with it. What kind of development would you bring to downtown Augusta? And, and tell us why. That's a good question. Um, so I think it would be, um, it'd be centered about around residential living, okay. right? It, everything grows around rooftops. And uh, the whole dichotomy, everybody says they'll move downtown when there's a grocery store. Right. That's yep. backwards. That's not the way it works. Right. So if we could build some rooftop, if, if there was just infinity amount of money, I'd layer in a big residential development, multi-tenanted, townhomes, single family kind of thing, build this culture, um, you know, from the ground up, if you will, um, not even really cater to one uh, age group. I think downtown is can be centered around a multitude of folks in Augusta. I think we're tar- starting to really understand that. Um, and then from there, I would go, instead of in retail as much, into cultural experiences. My wife owns a dance studio, so I think, uh, and she uses the middle of theater sometimes to do shows. Okay. Um, didn't this year because of COVID. They were closed. But um, And we've come downtown for several of the you know, art shows and, and concerts and things like that. So I would really try to create a culture where you can live, work, play. And and I would not be the first one to do it. But if I had an infinite amount of money, I have a way and a thought pattern on how to do it that would just work, right? And right. Um, I think it would be really cool and existential. People would start to look at downtown a lot differently. That is happening. It's just not as quick. Right. With it's a slow, slow process. Yeah, and that's not a, always a bad thing. Right, right, um, right. You know, solid growth is good growth. And I think we are founded on some pretty good, um, you know, uh, have a good basis for how we're growing. Um, you know, growth is a challenge, right? You look at Columbia County. They, prior to uh, the COVID, they had like 2.8% um, unemployment. Well, I talked to Robbie Bennett, the economic development director out there, and he has concerns because he can't attract manufacturing and other entities because there's no employment base. So there are challenges either way you look at it. Richmond County, downtown Augusta, attracted uh, work with the tax slayer guys. They were attracted to come downtown because there was employment for them. There was that tech, you know, creative vibe that they really wanted to uh, take hold of. And so that's that's what I would center something around if I had an infinite amount of money. And it would also uh, incorporate a gondola over the uh, river to North Augusta. Absolutely. That's awesome. I love that idea. I would, probably from the top that. of this building. Oh, you know, it would be cool. And I know Sean Franham would love this, but a, a zip, zip line, line, a zip line from 17th floor all the way to SRP Park. <laughs> I would take that every day, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So as we're looking out here uh, in the 70s, um, Senator Holly, actually, there was a helicopter landing pad on the Lamar building where the HVAC units are. He took it, supposedly, and uh, took off and landed on our garage here, went up, ate at the Pinnacle Club, went, got on his helicopter, and flew right back over there. That's I figured, sickening. I figured if he can do that in the 70s, we can pull a gondola across the river. Right, absolutely. I mean, that That's would awesome. be cool. So, so I have one more thing for you, and and so I've asked you to, to kind of, you know, what would you build with unlimited amounts of money? And honestly, I'm really upset you don't have unlimited amount of money because that <laughs> sounds really cool. Um, I'm going to ask you a more practical question now. So what what is, based on what you know now, based on the kind of stuff that you're doing now in the commercial space, and I'm not going to ask you to be specific because obviously 
you have a lot of clients and, and I don't want you to get in trouble with any of them. Um, what kind of would be your prognosis for, for commercial growth, uh, especially downtown Augusta in the next, let's call it three, four, three to five years? Yeah, I think we're on a very good footing. Um, we actually do, um, in our brokerage house, we do business up in Atlanta. We manage uh, and play some investors in a deal up there, another deal in Columbia, South Carolina. So we play in other markets, and I've broken other, in other markets. I, I don't think we really realize how good we've got it. Um, you know, you've got SRS, you've got Plant Vogel, you've got a big medical community, you've got Cyber, uh, Fort Gordon, Signal Corps, Eisenhower, and um, I think I left one out in there. But, you know, you, you've got – look what Doctors Hospital has been able to do. Yeah, they have a huge complex. Yeah, they have a huge complex. Burn that, Center. That, yeah, the Burn huge. Center. And um, uh, a lot of that can be attributed to Fred Mullins, uh, what he's done. So l- they're expanding out from Augusta into a lot of communities. Um, and so what I see is things that are starting here are actually expanding out in other communities and vice versa. We're, we're finally starting to allow outside folks to come in and invest. And I think before, Augustans were a little protective of their land and buildings. And now that things, uh, the challenges of finances have the Augusta community, our, our region and what all we do here, has attracted outside folks. But it's also brought their money in when it's needed to pull projects off uh, like cyber or like um, some of the other challenging tax credit projects we've done. But, um, you know, Augusta's well poised probably beyond where we even know it to be. Uh, There was an article yesterday in the paper that, um, not the Augusta Chronicle, I, I read several newspaper articles, but it was saying, you know, these school towns, like that other school that's in Georgia, that has 75% of the people work for the school and in government. Right. They got to be thinking, you know, 75, 80% of our folks work in one industry. You know, how is that industry going to look in three years and five years and 10 years? And in Augusta, you know, we can weather some pretty big storms. Um, you know, we've never had the high highs. We've never had the low lows. We've just had good, consistent growth. One of the challenges that we're going to have is looking to where our employment shifts. Cyber Command is coming in. They're training folks to go work in an office making $20, $25, $28 an hour compared to high school folks going to the technical schools and Mm -hmm. being educated, which is our phenomenal programs. And they're making $18, $20 an hour or whatever it might be. And they're thinking, do I do that or do I go same two-year, three-year training, and go work in an office setting. So I think construction is going to hurt a little bit. I think our employment is going to shift a little bit. But uh, wages are going to go up. Regardless of what happens, wages are going to grow up. When wages grow up, go up, people can afford uh, better things. That Acura becomes a Mercedes. That C-plus property becomes a B property, becomes an A property. That A property now has pools and amenities and is tied into another development. So I, I really feel like we're, our upper tra- trajectory is now starting to take hold because we have entities that are growing wages. And so I'm pretty excited. I mean, the next three years, I think, could be phenomenal, but certainly five and 10 years. So I'm hearing a lot of uh, rooftop pools downtown coming up. That's what I'm hearing. Infinity. Rooftop pools. <laughs> we'll drop it off the side of this <laughs> building. Well, definitely, de- yeah, definitely a, 
a giant sized chessboard. It's coming on somewhere. I think I right, heard third right. floor well, that, of this yeah. building. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up. I'm super excited about that. I'm glad you brought that up. And, and that's Edgar's Above Broad, which is in this building. So yeah, take take a second. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so so uh, I guess I won't uh, jump your question um, that you're going to end it with. But one of the things that I hate is that people, in, instead of hearing somebody out and saying, okay, what would it take to do that? They say, that's the dumbest idea. It'll never work. Mm, and many right. times, like indoor soccer facility. And I heard somebody say, that's the dumbest idea. You know, that'll never work. Well, we're sitting there saying that while most secondary major cities have indoor soccer facilities. Right. When, when I got in the business, I remember people asking about a rooftop bar in downtown Augusta. So that was 15 years ago. And we're about to open one here in 699 Broad, Edgar's Above Broad, that uh, Goodwill, uh, Jim Stiff, Tim Ligon have worked extremely hard on, you know, just just brain ch- and trip um, have been brainstorming and uh, have built ergonomically out of the ground a very good product, and I can't wait to see it. But um, Neither if, can we. <laughs> and I hope we'll have this out there on um, – you know, maybe Wednesdays and Thursdays, every night that ends in Y, right? Right, we'll exactly. <laughs> having fun. But yeah, it's it's phenomenal. And um, it, it's it's something that I've, I've been hearing for 15 years. And so finally, you know, we have multiple. The Hyatt has a bar uh, on the rooftop. Phenomenal, uh, you know, views of all of the city of Augusta. 699 is a little taller. And so it'll be interesting to see how we integrate with the Broad Street streetscape. Um, but Super excited about that. It's not a cheap investment, but uh, something that will play out well. That's awesome. Okay. So, Davis, before we get to our last question about dropping the disc, we've talked about every single aspect of real estate in Augusta. Uh, and and by the way, thank you for all of your insights. Um, before I let Chris take over for me, I, I am going to ask you one last question. Um, outside of real estate, is there anything else you're involved in in Augusta? Yeah, so I, I love being involved in other things um, in our community. It, it enlightens me to do a better job in what I do in my profession. Uh, for example, um, Grady Smith appointed me to the um, Augusta Regional Aviation Commission, uh, which is Bushfield. Uh, it's our regional airport. And uh, I've been on that for five years. I'm actually uh, the chair of the commission uh, this year. And uh, if they'll allow me to be next year, um, so that's that's part of my civic um, um, opportunity to contribute. Um, and what it's done is actually I've learned more about government, about how people interact on the other side of things. That's given me a pretty good amount of insight to to do my job in the real world, if you want to call it that. Right, of course. And and I'm guessing uh, you you now I'm sure always fly out of Augusta, right? Is there another airport? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, I love the airport. I mean, I, I literally can, I, and don't do as I say, but I can leave my house and be on a plane in 45 minutes. And don't do as he says, people. D- leave an hour and a half early. That's right. Do exactly what the FAA tells you, um, including what you do and don't take on the plane. Um, but yeah, it's so easy to drive down there and get through our airport. Um, it's an attractive airport. It's an efficient airport. Uh, we just added lines, uh, actually two, to Dallas-Fort Worth uh, and one to D.C. that are doing phenomenally well. People don't know this, but the number one destination out of Augusta is actually Washington, D.C. 
And so we were able to get that leg back, and it's done phenomenally well. But our airport, Augusta would have some tremendous challenges without our airport. And so when I talk about the resources of our town, the airport is a phenomenal asset for us to really build. I started out telling you earlier about the folks that I met. And um, they were looking at uh, industrial sites. Right. I mean, you basically, what, they, they kind of kick-started your, your career because of the airport. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't realize it would kind of come back to that, but, but it, it is true. It's a, human, it, it's, it's a huge uh, opportunity for us to outreach and bring people into Augusta. And so a uh, phenomenal asset that we have in South Augusta, and I hope that folks will look at it as not a difference of two and a half hours. It's the difference of getting somewhere efficiently and back in a timely fashion. If you drive to Atlanta, it's really a three and a half, four hour process to go all the way through TSA. Right, minimum. Minimum. Uh, whereas I can be on a plane in, in an hour and because I move pretty fast, I can be on it in 45 minutes. But um, uh, just really appreciate the resources and the folks that have worked before me and before us to establish uh, that resource that we have here. What, what's a flight you'd like to see out of Augusta that we don't have right now? Chicago. Chicago. Either, either Chicago. Uh, well, I kind of say that because I know that that's an area that we might can get done. And you can go anywhere from Chicago. Once you start layering in multiple uh, destinations, it's exponential. So if there is a huge storm on the eastern coast, but you can fly to Dallas and get out of it, you're better doing that than flying from Augusta to Charlotte to still be in the same weather system. So once you can start layering in more destinations, it's it's extremely exponential from there. If we could get one from New York City, I'll go broke because my wife will want to go on it all the time. But I think it would be a huge resource for Augusta folks. And um, I think that that's probably the number one place that folks want to look to. I love to hear that. Okay, we're dropping the disc here at the podcast. Yep. And um, if someone were to come up to you and diss Augusta or talk negatively about Augusta, what would, what would you tell them? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I, I turned 40 next month, actually. And so I've been here 39 years other than being at Georgia Tech. And, you know, looking back, um, I'm looking out at the skyline right now, and until I came back and started working in the real estate business, I did not realize the contour of Augusta and the challenges that it has. Um, we're sitting in a 100-year flood zone right now, but fortunately, we're 12 floors up. Um, <laughs> you know, they build the levee, and now people say that the levee, you know, is disastrous for developing uh, the riverfront. Again, you know, what we need to start with is a, a communicating ideas, thoughts, and folks that have the resources of finances, whether it's banks, whether it's just investors, start putting out, you know, real pencil to paper trying to figure out, okay, how are these other cities doing it? Because, you know, to compare us to Greenville, where our downtown is probably twice the size of theirs. Our downtown is stretched out. Our, our demographics are different. What people want are different. But if you look at it, we have good bones here, and uh, we have good infrastructure. But I, I don't think we really utilize it like um, like we can. And um, I think we're a society that kind of, you know, and there's nothing wrong with this, but we keep our head down and we work hard and we just stay on the straight and narrow and kind of, you know, don't take too many chances and stay in our little triangle of church, school, and 
whatever it is we do, play golf or whatever, well, you know, we got to step out of that, you know, instead of mm-hmm. playing golf, go play disc golf or instead, <laughs> instead of... Uh, Chris just fell in love with you when you said that. <laughs> I'll take you sometime. <laughs> yeah. We'll have more to. beers. <laughs> I'd love to. Hopefully they're not 18 holes, not one right, hole. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, but um, yeah, we, we have, I mean, during the COVID experience has taught me a lot of things. Uh, I've, I've ridden my bike at least weekly out there. I went on a, a rafting a canoe trip, lived in a treehouse on the Edisto River. We have a river. You yeah. know, you could do, these things aren't crazy anymore. You mm-hmm. know, people enjoy doing these things. I wanted to buy my son a bike during this period of time. We went to four Walmarts. They were sold out. We had to order it online. You know, people were finally slowed down enough to think, hey, you know, we have plenty of bike paths in Augusta. Right. And things to do. Um so our infrastructure is very good. We just have to think and figure out where to pull our resources. I think Augusta, you know, across the board, whether it's nonprofits or, or maybe schools or educational or this and that, we, we, we tend to sort of have our little pockets. And I think if we kind of work together, put that financial resources in bigger pockets, we probably could make a bigger difference And uh, in our community if we work together. It's not to say that some don't. But um, I think we could do a better job at that. That was a great answer. Thank you, sir. Uh, Davis <laughs> Beeman, commercial real estate developer for Blanchard and Calhoun and uh, candidate for unity everywhere. We did not know that that element was coming out of you, but thank you so much. It was the beer. It was Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a creative can. So. <laughs> Davis, thank you so much thank for being you, here today. Uh, obviously, it was just a trip upstairs for you, but it means a lot to us to have you here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you all for coming to the building. Absolutely. Don't go anywhere. We're about to give you a preview of next week's episode. But first... So, David, uh, my brother and I went to the Savannah River Brewery today, to the tap room, and uh, got to hang out with Adam and Ann there, with Brian. Uh, all three names that are, we know very well. Uh, right, the brewers and the, the marketing guy. The, the family. The marketing the guy. The fam. And, uh, you know, we we tried Dungeons and Flagons. We tried... Um, the smash we tried all these brews and it it was just a great environment a great time and you know is what was will's favorite uh i would say that his favorite was the dungeons and flagons that honestly i brought my dad to savannah river last week yeah he bought like five dungeons and flagons like he was just going back to back he loved it so much he wouldn't even try another beer right he probably got pretty toasty i'm not gonna comment on that okay okay but you know (laughs) it's a great time you know and during this covid time they've done they've taken all the right measures to make sure that we're social distancing inside right they had the street pickup they did the beer yoga outside they had those virtual sessions i mean it's really awesome what they've been doing and uh, so we just want to talk about them. They're our drink sponsor for 2020. And if you have not yet picked up a six-pack, do so today. Um, tell them that you heard about Savannah River Brewery from the podcast. Yeah, tell them you're dropping the disc. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Davis Beeman of Blanchard and Calhoun. And Davis wanted to do a quick shout-out to his Beeman group. Everybody that is on his team, he wanted to do a very big shout-out to them. Uh, he has said that he could not be where he is today without you. Right. It's so easy for us to talk to, 
you know, one or two major movers and shakers, but it's also it's also very important for us to remember that there's tons of other people supporting everyone that comes on the show. Absolutely. And speaking of coming onto the show, next week, get, look forward to, we used to call it Augusta's Tiny Death. But we're moving, you know, if people that have followed us from the very beginning know that we change names, we're going from Augusta's Tiny Death to Augusta Rocks. And that's where we'll, we're bringing on local artists to talk about their story and get a quick recording. So for Augusta Rocks next week, our guest will be Village Sticks, a local band that does great music and they're from the community. Very excited about them. Thank you, Chris. And I'm looking forward to that as well. Thank you guys for listening to Drop the Disc. Please make sure you give us a rating or review. Please make sure you share us and tell all your friends about how amazing and full of content we are. We really appreciate all of our listeners. Thank you, guys. Thank you.